Welcome to MC Movement. I'm happy to share that what began as a pandemic passion project nearly a year ago is still in motion. It's season two, so yes, we have a new name which reflects my focus on sharing stories of dancers, dance educators, and movement practitioners to inspire, educate, and transform how we see, experience, and interpret movement. Basically, it's artists emceeing their own experience. I'm a writer, movement educator, and dance education consultant. I've had the opportunity to work at some pretty cool places, including Boston Ballet, Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet, Miami City Ballet, San Francisco Ballet, the Joyce Theater, and Penn State Center for the Performing Arts. Don't let all those ballet programs fool you into thinking we only talk about ballet here. I also work as a Pilates instructor and spent a few months teetering around on a tight wire in Florida State's Flying High Circus. The stories you'll hear and people you'll meet in each episode are mostly individuals I've worked with directly or have a shared experience or space in common. Also, in my commitment to raise the value for artists and the work they do, each guest receives an honorarium for their participation. Thanks for listening and joining in the conversation. Ashley Brown and I met while graduate students at Florida State. We both landed in New York post-graduation, and she's been performing, creating work, and teaching dance ever since. She teaches dance and technical theater at Brooklyn Prospect High School and is the K-12 dance coordinator for Prospect Schools Network. She collaborates with Shining Light as a teaching artist in jail and prison facilities, and as a way to process and bring awareness to those experiences, she performed at TEDx Columbia University 2019. She has worked in off-Broadway productions and stage management and was a former director of BT Dance, a faith-based dance company. She is a graduate of Florida State University and Spelman College, receiving an MFA in dance performance and choreography and a BA in child development. She created a full-service production company, Heartworks Productions, to create and produce underrepresented stories and provide an entry point into theatrical production for middle and high school students. Here is her story. Ashley, at this present moment, where is your curiosity or awareness focused as a dancer and educator? I think I'm currently focused on emotional wellness and how that connects to dancers our commodification is our bodies like we we make our money through what our bodies can do or cannot do and so and how that connects to uh the emotional wellness of a dancer and what does that look like for you as you suss that out in these past few months of that relationship and experience really being challenged so it's partly out of a current training and interest to become a dance movement therapist it's out of having had a professional career and currently teaching dance at a high school and seeing kind of how students naturally have beliefs or assumptions about what the dance community is and uh, self-selecting to not be a part of it because of what they believe will be emotionally damaging to them. And they, they just want to have fun, hearing them say they just want to have fun. And so trying to figure out how to navigate offering students quality training, um, but also not making them feel like their worth has to be in question in the process. How would you describe the main components or essence of your teaching pedagogy? I would say people first, um, making sure that the the space feels like a space where they can take risks, where they feel cared for where they can be curious, where they can try out new things um, and grow. And so I think that's a big part of 
how I teach and what I teach. And then also just making sure that the students see themselves in the curriculum. And that's representation, whether they're seeing people or they're seeing dance styles from their culture and heritage and ethnic backgrounds, but also seeing that they are a part of the dance community. Even as budding artists, you are still a, a very vital and valuable part of the dance community. You are the future dance patrons, if nothing less, but you are the future artists. You are the future of dance making. You are the future of, of dance uh, observation and viewing. So it's important for them to see themselves in the work that's presented. So I think those are probably the biggest things that I think about when I make decisions about what to include or what not to include or or how much time we should spend on certain curriculums, concepts, topics, units. And what else is central to your work in K-12 dance education when you think about process, practice? What else are some main components for operating in that structure and environment? So it's shifted over time. And I will say that um, for the last decade, I'm actually celebrating 10 years at the current school that I'm at. We are an IB World School. And I think this idea of looking to different standards for arts education or dance education specifically has kind of influenced what I think my dancers should know about dance making and uh, dance performance and dance technique. There's a slight disconnect I find in American schools when we have these kind of international programs because we don't consider pedagogical styles and what's being taught. For example, my students don't typically go into uh, collegiate dance programs. They're not typically interested in it. They go to liberal arts colleges. They uh, study a variety of things. They continue to take dance classes, you know, after they graduate from high school, but they're not interested in professional performance careers. But they leave high school having more choreographic ex experience than students who go to LaGuardia High School, which is the perform, you know, the elite performing arts mm -hmm. high school in New York City. So I think in that comparison, like challenging students, um, regardless of what their professional trajectory is to, to be on like Bloom's highest level, you know, of thinking, which is creation. And these students don't, don't necessarily want professional careers or see that as a, as a, as a value to their uh, educational experience. Choreography is really important to, to be taught and to be presented to students on all levels, K through 12. And that's not something that historically we've done in America. When we talk about dance technique or dance school, we talk about teaching kids how to dance and teaching kids how to perform. And the performance I'm a little iffy about because I don't think all the time we teach performance either. I think sometimes we just um, say some kids can perform and some kids can't. Um, and we don't actually teach mm -hmm. kids, wh whether it's Laban's effort theory or we don't actually break down what it means to be a performer. And so the kids don't have any entry point into how can I be a performer so I think like that's where I am about performance but very much so you rarely see choreography listed as a component for a K through 12 program. When you think about you've talked a little bit about the background and future of some of your students and how dance um, is incorporated into their learning experience how else is dance contributing to the growth of your students? I think because I'm really focus on the the human first we we end up tackling some things that within the dance studio that I think sometimes is is just kind of overlooked it's not directly connected to it but it's also hugely impacting the experience and I'll give you an example I had a class of students 
one year and it happens at the beginning of every year your ninth grade class they're new kids they're new to high school they're new to you know dance whatever their newness is they're all new to it to me at least and my classes are very segregated I will typically have like white and Asian students who will kind of naturally lump together and my black and brown students will naturally lump together in terms of like my Latinx and my you know my black students and so mm-hmm. I try to find ways to kind of break up where their initial comfort zone is. And obviously you come in from different middle schools, so you know who you know, which is understandable, but like trying to build up that community. And so sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll rearrange where they stand at the bar. Like I want you two to stand next to each other. And oftentimes the students don't know necessarily why I'm making those choices. But w- this one particular year, I had an issue with students um, not knowing the material, like, you know, we can't have a show if you don't know the dance. And so <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> so the, the issue was, is that my white and Asian students, and I had a pretty fairly good breakdown. So it wasn't like it was, you know, I'm, I, I wasn't speaking about one or two students, like the breakdown was almost, you know, quartered evenly in this particular class, my white and Asian students were turning in work, regularly they were you know I make them do practice logs so they have to go home and practice you know the material that they're learning um and they would come to class and they would know the material my black and brown students they chose to go this particular day I didn't make them go in certain groups so they self-elected to go and uh the black and brown students they're they're dancing and and they have no idea what this combination is none and so I stopped the music and I'm like what's going on and um one of the students she was like I don't know the combination we don't know the combination and so then I said, well, why don't you know the combination? And so then she was like, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know the combination. And I said, well, help me understand why half of the class knows the combination and the other half doesn't when we all learned it together and we all had the same assignment. And so she turns to me and I could see so much frustration in her face. She, you know, she yells out, they always know it. And I was like, who is they? Let's name it since we're here and this is where we are. Who is they? And so then she said, the white girls and the Asian girls, they always know the combinations. And so then I go, well, why do they always know the combination? And so then she was like, I don't know. And so then I said, well, let's step back a second. You're frustrated. Who are you mad at? Are you mad at them for knowing the combination? Are you mad at me for getting onto you for not knowing the combination? Are you mad at yourself for not knowing the combination? And she said, you know, I'm frustrated that I don't know the combination. I'm frustrated that I didn't put in the work to know the combination, but I'm, I am also frustrated that nobody reached out to help me. And I was like, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment, we stopped class and we had the conversation and we talked about what it meant to be a community. We talked about what it meant for us to, to support each other and to lift each other up and uh, what it means to reach back when we see other folks in our space that are struggling and how do, you know, how do we continue, you know, to do this and to support each other and make sure that everybody knows combination so we can have a, you know, a a dance for, for the performance. And so that was their ninth grade year. By their senior year, they were uh, amoebas rolling on the floor with each other. (laughs) You would have never thought that their class started out the way that it did. And so many of them, you know, stayed in dance because of that community. So many of them who had no desire to be in a professional or pre-professional program 
chose to take my IB dance class, which is basically collegiate level, in the 11th and 12th grade, despite not maybe being the strongest of dancers, not having a desire to want to be a dancer, but wanting to stay connected to that community. And I think that's that's what's powerful. And that's that's what dance can do in lieu of just being something that our bodies do. Led into this a little bit, but what else do you consider essential for healthy dialogue during the creation and collaboration process of making work? Trust. The students have to trust me. So I I very early try to set them up with, don't worry, I'm not going to let you fail. Or, you know, don't worry, this is going to be okay. Or don't worry, it's, this probably feels bigger, but once you do it, you might be like, oh, it wasn't as bad as it was. So I think like trust is really important in the beginning and then learning how to trust each other. And then most importantly, trust yourself. Naturally, um, when you're in a, a process, you're looking to the, the teacher or the choreographer to give you feedback on how to grow and improve. And I really challenge them to develop that critical lens for themselves. You know, well, what do you think is good? And they're like, well, no, you know, you tell me <laughs> if my leg looks X, Y, Z. Well, but if we're in class and I'm teaching you the skills and, and helping you develop your critical awareness to be able to know whether or not your leg is turned out or whether or not your foot is pointed, you can answer, you can answer this question and your response to it is going to give you more information than me continuing to just talk at you. I think that process of helping them to find trust in self and others and uh, in the instructor is really important. Let's take a little bit of a turn and look at your experience in dance. Um, who was a significant part of your dance education and what do you continually draw from that experience now? My high school dance teacher, uh, Kristen Pitts, although I only had her for two years, I had her for my junior and senior year because I refused to dance at school because I wanted a serious dance program. And my brother was actually one of her original dance students when she started the dance program in our high school. My brother's a year older than I am. And so she was kind of like, I don't understand why, you know, Ashley wouldn't want to dance. <laughs> you know, if her brother's having such a great experience, she comes to the shows. And I'm like, no, I want a real dance experience. She saw something in me that I didn't know was possible. And I think I entered into dance, period. Uh, never expecting to have a professional career, never expecting to be a dance teacher, never expecting to be creating my own work. And she offered me something that I hadn't seen in myself and that I hadn't seen in general. By the time I applied for colleges in high school, I didn't know that dance programs existed. I had a very limited lens and view of what dance could be on a larger level, like even if, even as simply as just be, being an artistic director or an executive director of a dance-based arts organization, like I had no frame of reference. And so she was constantly taking our class to performances, to workshops, to different things. She took us to a local Ailey performance and they had a workshop uh, before the performance. And I went to the workshop. I had an amazing time, the most amazing time I ever had. And at the end of the workshop, the uh, instructor, Guillermo, he comes up to me, he goes, you should really attend the summer intensive. And at this point, this is my senior year. So I'm, I'm just, I've already gotten accepted to school. Like I, there was no frame of reference of dancing after high school. He said, you should attend the, the summer intensive. And I was kind of like, what? Like I had, he was like, no, like you, <laughs> you got potential. Like you could do this. And I was <laughs> like, do what? <laughs> you know, like, what are we talking about? 
Um, <laughs> and he was like, no, I think like you should really go to the Ailey school for the summer. And so I remember going to the performance. I went home and I told my mom and she was like, well, let's go. Cause my mom has always been ride or die and I love her. <laughs> so she was like, well, let's go. When's the audition? And I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, no, seriously, if you really want to audition, let's do this. So I went home. She uh, looked up the next Ailey performance. It was in Boston. We went to Boston. I auditioned for the summer intensive that afternoon. And then we went to the performance later that night. I was accepted into the summer intensive. And then we went to the scholarship audition in June, uh, right after I graduated high school. So it kind of like went really, really quickly in terms of like, these are possibilities, these are things that could happen. And then I, you know, right after high school, I spent my entire summer in New York City uh, training at the Ailey School. One of my teachers was Tracy Inman. We were in a class. I had a six o'clock Horton class and loved it. And we were in class and somehow, I don't even, to this day, I still don't understand how I did like, it was a turn that I did and somehow I did like a double out of it. And the turn was like extremely difficult, but I wasn't, I was too naive to realize how hard the turn was. <laughs> so I just kind of like threw myself. <laughs> too naive. I just too threw talented. myself into it and had no idea, you know? And so he was like, hold on, I'll be back. And so then he goes and gets the director of the school at the time, Denise Jefferson. And she comes into the classroom. He was like, watch her. Just wait a second. Just He was like, just, just watch. Don't ask questions. So uh, he was like, all right, we're going to do the combination again. And so uh, it, this is all hindsight. So in the moment, I'm com completely aloof, like just out of the loop. Go across the floor, do it. I do this crazy turn again. And she was like, oh. And I could see her, like the expression on her face change. And so I'm just like, what is happening? Like, I'm just out of it. What is happening? So class ends and he was like, um, what are you thinking about for dance after the summer? He was like, you know, are you going to school? Because he was like, how old are you? And I was like, oh, I just graduated high school. I'm going to go to Spelman College in Atlanta. He was like, you should consider staying in New York for the certificate program. He was like, uh, that was Denise Jefferson, the director of the school. I had her come in because I wanted to, her to see you. You've like been, you know, really exceptional. You know, we can try to work on like some funding, but obviously you you have to work out your living arrangement and, you know, eating and all of that. I couldn't comprehend what was happening in the moment because it never seemed like a, a reality for me. Called my mom that night and I was like, I want to stay. I'm not going to school. She was like, please don't make me come get you in a body bag and drag you back. School. You're going to school. <laughs> like that's that's it. So, you know, I didn't stay. And I spent like the my whole freshman year trying to figure out how to transfer to Fordham, which Never happened, but um, that was possible because of Miss Pitts. And I still to this day call her Miss Pitts. She will always be Miss Pitts to me because she saw something in me and she saw value. And I think even aside from what she saw in me, she saw that it was important for me to be exposed to what I was genuinely interested in, that there was no reason for. And it wasn't just me. There were, there were other students. She she felt the same way about about all of her students, that if there was something that you were interested in or that you really wanted to do, you know, dance related, that was her thing. Um, she definitely would would make sure that that opportunity came up, that you were exposed to it, that you had access to it. We came back and she was te teaching us the Horton warm up. She bought DVDs and, you know, <laughs> was teaching us the warm up <laughs> after, you know, we had gone to the performance earlier in the year. And so I think like that speaks volume to how powerful, you know, a dance educator can be to a student. As you look back, um, you've shared some really dynamic experiences just now, but what are one or two other significant experiences or opportunities that help shape your mm. choices in dance? Definitely 
grad school, which is also a place I didn't plan to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and again, I'm I'm seeing these things. I have to say in hindsight, not necessarily in the moment. I don't know that I had enough forethought mm-hmm. and understanding to see that. I had no intentions of going to grad school. Uh, I wanted to move to New York after I graduated from Spelman. And there were some hiccups in undergrad in general. You know, life happens and you're kind of trying to figure out what, what to do next yeah. or, or what do you want to do. I had gone to an ACDFA and uh, it was at Florida State. And I kind of fell in love with the, the campus and got more interested into the program. Not realizing that being in the MFA program would prepare me for so much after. You know, I can produce my students' shows by myself because I went through my MFA program. If I had to kind of like sum it all up, like just being open to like life, being open to like the changes has been preparation for so much of what I'm doing today. And I can't say that it was intentional. So I don't know that that's great advice either. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that's true for a lot of us. You've shared a little bit about going to Florida State, but how did you choose your educational programs post high school? What was important to you when you were looking at educational Um, opportunities? So I chose Spelman. Spelman is a historically Black all-women's college in Atlanta, Georgia. And I chose Spelman College because... When I walked on campus, it felt like home. And the campus was actually empty the first time I went to visit it. But there was a there was still an energy and a buzz to it that I couldn't describe. It was the winter time. I was bundled up in a coat, but I still felt so warm and just I don't know. Like there was just there was something that was so inviting and welcoming that it just I was like, this is where I belong. And to feel that way with no students on campus felt huge to me. So I, I didn't know how to like grapple with that. So I had only applied to two schools. I'm probably not the best person <laughs> to follow. You know, my, my <laughs> high school counselor was definitely like, you need to apply to more schools. And I was like, no, I'm either going to Spelman and randomly Boston University because I had gone to Boston, you know, for this audition. And last minute I was like, oh, I like this city. And I was like, let me just add this to the list really quick. <laughs> so I really had like, no, I'm not the person <laughs> to get advice from. In terms of preparation, but I was open to the experience. And I think that's once I got to Spelman, you know, like I said, I spent my freshman year trying to get to Fordham because I wanted to do the Ailey BFA program. And even though that didn't work out, I still had such a rich dancing experience at Spelman. One of my professors was a casting director for Disney Entertainment. So I was in all kinds of shows in undergrad and having all kinds of fun and amazing dance experiences um, just as an undergraduate. And and so I think when I finished school, having initially not wanting to have pursued a graduate degree, but then realizing like, oh, just like I didn't know that dance was available in undergrad, I can still do this in grad school. And I can start to pull some some different interests um, or different passions or career paths that I'm interested in. I can start to pull them together through this graduate school experience, through, you know, trying to navigate through the, you know, the different things that I'm interested in. So I think that's how I ended up at Florida State um, in the sense of I was like, I don't think this program could be bad for me, bad for I don't think I I don't think what I can get out of the program is going to be bad. And so I have to figure out how to let this experience help me to get to where I want to go. And so I think that's what what it became in in both educational experiences. And now, you know, looking to transition into dance movement therapy, uh, same thing. 
thinking about how have I grown and shifted and changed as a person, as a dancer, as a choreographer, and how do I continue to get towards the goals and, and you know, the career pathway that I'm most interested in and what is it going to take to get me there? So I think that's kind of how my educational experiences or choices have been shaped around that. And would you describe some of the companies you danced with oh, or created um, work? <laughs> Sorry, those are the hard right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So (laughs) that's that's funny. Um, When I first moved to New York City, I moved to New York City because I was actually offered a contract with Urban Bush Women that I didn't take. I wanted to be, I think this is where I kind of started this emotional wellness and this really thinking about my, you know, the value of my body and, and, and what it's worth was that one, I, I couldn't leave grad school and and make $500 a week. That didn't sit right with me and what I had prepared for. So I couldn't figure out how to navigate those things. So I wanted a little bit more financial security and I wanted a little bit more stability in whatever work that I was going to commit to and do. So I ended up, I started at a high school wrote the curriculum for their dance program. And so I essentially started their dance program at this one high school. And at the same time, I started a dance company, which I had no intentions of doing, but I started it at a church in Brooklyn. And, you know, nine times out of 10, when you tell somebody you dance at church or you started a dance company at church, they're kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. But it's important to note that this particular church, the sanctuary was the third largest auditorium in New York City. It is now the fourth. Um, But it was the third largest auditorium and it had over 4,000 seats. So the stage was a fully um, equipped theatrical stage, lighting, sound, you know, special effects, fog machines. So the types of productions that they were putting on were, were not to the same scale of your average church. You know, I say average in quotes. So I ended up working for this church and putting on these huge productions you know, and like the the sanctuary would fill up, there would be lines wrapped around the building. It was just this crazy experience um, that took me out of the country to work on a project, uh, a couple of projects actually. And so doing that work and alongside that building this high school dance program. So I was at this one school for one year left. And then I've been at my current school where I built our middle school and high school dance program, wrote, wrote the curriculum. And I now oversee the K through 12 dance program. So all of the dance teachers within our network of schools that that has been what I've done. And then at the same time, I think the core value for me has been to continue to make work um, so that the work that I do with kids is not impacted by my desire to shine. Right. So like I'm continuing to perform. I currently perform Mm -hmm. with, um, the Dynamite Experience, which is uh, led by Winston Brown and his wife, Latara Wilson. I've danced with Dance into Deliverance with Jessica Ray. She primarily does uh, dance, for, dance for camera, but she also does live work too. And I've done a couple of shows with a good friend of mine. Her name is Mattia Johnson um, most recently, but that's kind of like all of the things that I've been working uh, most recently, aside from last year, I, um, which this is going to like be a probably a hard left, but I'm gonna let it go ahead and, and ride out. Um, last year I choreographed a solo for uh, TEDx Columbia <laughs> University. And that 
TEDx performance was based on the work that I do in jail and prison facilities. So I work with an organization called Shining Light. And we go into jail and prison facilities in Philadelphia, the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania State as well, New Jersey, New York. And I think they went to Ohio early uh, last year. Again, like the light's not on me. I'm, I'm, I'm going into facilities teaching classes, but helping them to create a show for their peers that they put on. We bring in over $300,000 worth of equipment, lighting, stage, sound. Um, visuals and they put on a show yeah. and so it's helping them navigate their experience through the creative process and to be able to build a show around that so those are that's the kind of work that I've been doing for the last ten and a half years or so as we've been speaking has anything else come to mind that you'd like to add to our conversation take dance from as many people as you possibly can I know that dance studios make money off of loyalty. However, it is your right, your job, your your experience, your growth to and to your benefit to be able to take from as many people as possible. If you're in middle school, start going to summer intensives. Doesn't matter what kind they are, um, but go. Take from other teachers and realize that there's not just one way to do anything. You know, even if you've only taken ballet your whole life, there are at least six European methods that are like commonly, you know, um, acknowledged around the world. And I say six in European because there are tons of other methods that exist in this world just for ballet. So I think like take from other teachers. And then I think as you get older, expand your reach. I was able to take high school students to Italy to dance with Italian dancers and also uh, dancers from around the world and other teachers from around the world, actually. And it was a really valuable experience to realize, hey, it's not all the same everywhere you go. Movement, right, can be universal, but how people use their bodies, you know, is not mm -hmm. identical. Whatever your level of interest in dance is, whatever your commitment is, take from as many teachers, take as many styles, um, right now, there's some, so many great opportunities to take so many different styles and different dance classes. So I think that's my kind of lasting thing is just take as much as you can. When you reflect upon your contributions as a movement educator, what gives you joy and satisfaction? I think my biggest joy is when the kids say to me, this is my solo and I'm so happy for you to see it that when they've taken something that's so vulnerable and so deeply from them and they say that they're proud of it because nine times out of 10, I get disclaimers. Okay, here's my solo, but like, don't like <laughs> get, just be ready, you know? So I think when a student <laughs> confidently comes in and again, I don't think it's something that just some people have and some people don't have. I think it's that genuine trust in yourself to make decisions and take a risk. So I think when they genuinely come back um, or we're finishing up a project and they say, this is my solo and I'm really happy to share. Yeah, I'm excited for you guys to see what I've come up with. I think that's, that's my biggest joy. Hi friends. Thank you for taking time to listen to Ashley's story. I hope you found yourself inspired, motivated, and challenged to consider what you bring to your dance experience and what you're open to receiving in your movement and creative endeavors. Takeaways from Ashley. 
establishing trust with yourself, with the people you're working with, creating trust for people to work with you. Ashley talked about being open to the experience. You know, she talked about, you know, stepping into opportunities that she didn't really have a clear expectation or idea of what it would look like, but being open to all that it could contain for her. Ashley also talked about taking ownership of what you're learning and diversifying what you're being exposed to. You know, it's really important to develop as, as a dancer to develop our technique, but are you willing to experience something else? Because that something else, as Ashley has shared in her story, can open doors you never thought possible. Thanks for listening. If you have feedback, suggestions for topics you'd like to see covered, feel free to visit my website, www.mcmovement.com, and drop me a line. Be sure to check out the show notes as well to learn more about Ashley and what projects she is working on currently. Until next time, be inspired and be brave.